it's episode 96 of Sierra Nova Podcast. So, yeah. Cool. Okay, we're here with Chris from Homebrew Comics. <clears throat> your your last name isn't that long, but I don't want to like say it just to like. <laughs> um, my, I don't usually use my last name just because it's such oh. a terrible, terrible name to try and pronounce. Yeah. It's um, like, what's your name, Chris? It's like, what's your yes, full name? Just call me Christopher Michael. That's fine. Um, my real not- last name is Saloff, but everybody calls me Schloff or. I've even had people throw a C in there randomly. So. I was going to say Salaf. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like German with Russian descent. And, you know, it, it's it's a mess. So even my, my wife loves it because her original last name was Smith. And so when we got married, I was like, I'm really sorry. Now you have this terrible last name. And she's like, no, now it's like unique. Um, <laughs> you go to the DMV and now all of a sudden you have an alternate identity because I spell your name wrong and you have to put that on your tax forms. <laughs> um, they actually lost more fans with the clones than anything, but we and we can talk about how time travel and multiverse fix everything. I think the best fix for it is to literally say it never happened. What are you talking about? What what trilogy of movies we spent billions of dollars on for no reason, right? I mean, if I, anything, like they could go hardcore, say they they're they're non-canon, make new ones. And you know what's funny? The DVDs of these non-canon ones are probably going to become valuable, yep. and then you'll still you'll still have something. Figures will be worth more. You'll be yeah, because they're yeah, they don't exist. Yeah, what we do in our comic universe is we are we don't have time travel like that doesn't exist. So same. That, that, that I thought about it at one point. I said because time travel is always a good question, right? And and. Dungeons and Dragons, which is what my stuff is all based off of. Time travel kind of exists. You can slow down time. You can move time, things like that. And so I had a an item that would allow you to, it's a magical item in D&D, it exists, to, to change time. And everyone agreed, you start messing with time and it becomes very, very hard. Okay, like you... Now you're you're messing with different things and things have to line up correctly. And if it's it just creates more problems than it's worth. So we just we don't mess with time. I don't want to screw with it. Yeah. You know. Now different realities. Yes, there's layers to every universe. Um, you know, if you if you look at the I, I'm okay with a multiverse, right? But in my multiverse, there's not like another caliber, another thing. It's just layers to this universe. So you have the earth layer and then you have like the ethereal realm and then you have um you know the the void and you have these different realms that's, cool. that's like our... <laughs> yeah that's, that's like what we do like we have uh we have we what's called have, the like, another... realm. yeah that's like our, our dark another well another yeah, we have like another john benson or whatever we have like just so him and then there's other people we have so so how i explain different realms is for this realm to exist the uh, so there's the ethereal realm and then there's the void and they kind of balance each other out. One is all like to one is full of imagination, right? And one is lack of, and they they create uh, what what we call the veil, and the veil constantly recycles the energy of universes to create new ones. So as your universe dies, it recycles your energy to make a new one. And like creatures, like if you've read my book, the cat Samedi, and the bad guy, the big, the Zaka, the green bad guy from uh, book three, they are both what are called um, 
the uh, the Gide and their beings from the from the veil that actually do this. They recycle the energy into new universes. So they've just been they're they're you know omnipotent beings that sit there and their sole purpose is to continually create the universe as yours dies. So you can't have different universes existing at the same time because it it creates a problem. So yours something happens to where yours all of a sudden gets absorbed into you know the veil and then recycled into a new universe. So that's mm-hmm. that comes in much much later in the story to where they they want to experience this. They like one of the characters is like you know wants to create a new universe, so he wants to break the veil to recycle the energy, and that's like the big bad of the whole story comes in thirty books in. But that's that's where it goes because I also thought about it. I'm like, oh cool, we can have multiple multiple universes. Well, we can't, but because we're part of this larger indie community, that veil connects to other universes that aren't part of this one, right? That is that is literally so. What that is that's funny. So our our idea is that we have our main universe, which is where our Earth is, right? Which we don't call Earth; we have a different name for it. But um, basically, there is this um, magical realm called the Noctum realm, and with the Noctum realm like while accessing it or like, like during the moment you're trying to enter it, that like, we don't have a name for that, but I guess like avoid like this area is where we can branch into other universes in the indie comic realm for, because we have an idea like way later down the line of this ultimate bad guy kind of coming in where we would actually bring in characters who are in these other comics to fight this bad guy. Yeah, but from other universes, like almost exactly like that. That's very cool. I can't. I, we started working on this like connection to other universes because the convictor. We're doing a crossover with Caliber, just because the characters are so so similar and so opposite at the same time that we were like, yeah, we need to have like some kind of cool crossover, and it's gonna be like, um, what was that movie? Can't it? Uh, there's a movie with Will Ferrell and the the short black comedian. I can't think of. Oh, uh, Get Hard. Get Hard. Yeah. So, you Get know hard. How, yeah. Like we have a we have a promo picture where you have Caliber on top of Convictor drawing like a uh, drawing on his face with a sharpie, just like like that, right? Um, it's Caliber doing stupid stuff while Convictor is trying to be all serious, and he's like, "Why are you serious? Like, you know, you can do the same thing and have fun." Because Caliber is very talented. I think that's one thing we've underplayed so far is the talent that Calvin does possess. Brad in real life is actually trained in seven different forms of martial art. He is top in his class in uh, firearms. He's a you know he's a detective in real life. He's you know he does all all the things that make up Calvin. Brad can do in real life. He doesn't want his character to be able to do anything he can't do. And that's so awesome. we you know Brad in real life tr- he he's working on creating his own form of martial arts like. So you'll get to see in book five, we're going to go more into it. I, in book three, I had him dodging and dipping and moving, but we just don't get to see a lot of it. So that's something we want to develop a little bit. Convictor, because it's a solo series, Jason's able to show Convictor's tactical prowess a little bit more than I'm able to with a team book. And so we want to use that book to also show off caliber a little bit. But when we were talking about this whole crossover thing, we we're like, how do we make that work? 
And Brad is like my balancing act for everything. Like he he brings me down a level. He's like, that can't work that way. Like you have to have hard rules for how these things work or we'll have utter chaos. And he said, the only way we can make it work is if he's connected to the veil. But like so in Jason's universe, he has what's called the Tartarus, which is where all these different things come from that aren't part of the universe that he's in, right? So his Tartarus and my veil are kind of the same thing. Yeah. Connected. And so that's how we we can explain the cross. Yeah, that, is... that, that's, that's kind of like what our idea was. That's awesome. Like literally the idea is like, our, like not everyone has their own Noctum realm. They have basically the idea was we wanted to get rid of like a heaven and hell in our world. We just have this world, right? But maybe in like the regular, like, like our earth, there's a heaven and hell. And that's like their veil, right? Like their thing that's set that, you know, that, uh, they could cross through, but you have to be in this, whatever this magical realm is. Cause almost, almost every uh, comic book has some other world. And mm -hmm. if they don't, it's just never referenced, which means it can exist. And it could just be like their equivalent of like a, a heaven or a hell or like a, uh, what's it called? Uh, like a purgatory, just like nothing. Right. And like wh whatever that is in their universe, that is the equivalent to like you were saying, like our, our Noctum realm, that it's like just a place that allows them to cross over. And right. so, you know, <clears throat> And it exists to be able to allow people's imagination to run rampant. Yeah. Right? And, it, and as creators, it gives us a very easy place to draw from to explain the unexplainable, right? Yeah. How do without, I without doing like the Marvel, like, you know, multiverse of like, hey, we got 16 Spider Mans, we can keep killing them off because we're on a different Earth now. Like, that, that's, that's kind of like what we wanted to avoid, but we wanted the ability to. Yeah, introduce things that were outside of what our story were without it being like right. And crazy. I didn't want to introduce aliens. That was a big thing that I uh, I didn't want to do because we have this very closed story. Now, eventually, yeah, we can bring in aliens much later. But when we were like working on some of the story aspects, and again, it's it's D and D. So I asked my players like, "What do you want to see? What are things that you like? What are things you don't like?" And Brad is very about. Just keep it grounded. Keep your rules. The rules don't don't break everything. You know, you have the rules of Dungeons and Dragons operate within them. They work for a reason. And then Terrell was like, well, you know, the biggest thing that pissed me off about Dragon Age was that you get through Dragon Age Origins and you fight the big bad. and You think you've you've saved the galaxy, you know, your world from the, the most evil thing ever. And then they, they come out with a new one. And it's all of a sudden there's something worse than that. And that gets old. It gets old having these same like oh this we know a bigger Death Star <laughs> right, like, like this ancient evil's back but we just killed the ancient evil this is a different ancient evil it's like well how many ancient evils do you have right so so he's like if you're gonna have this overarching terrible story give us a conclusion to that and if you're gonna bring something else that's bad in it's a new bad it's not this old bad it's a new one and it's here because maybe you took this one out and the balance isn't there anymore. And so I was like, oh, that's cool. So I can do this. And the reason the aliens were staying away was because this big bad was here. They're like, we're not screwing with that. Oh, it's not yeah. there anymore? Cool. Now we can come in. Have you ever seen uh, or played the games, the God of War games? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's a really great example of, like, they move from, like, one collection of gods to another for the for the, the latest one. That's a really cool way to go about that. Like, that's the kind of stuff that I would I would like to do, like, when, as we build up bad guys um you know yeah not just recycling like oh yeah it's an ancient evil no no no. there's a worse ancient evil it's yeah you know, we just forgot about it in the stories you know like yeah i definitely i definitely like that yeah actually what's funny is the 
my first version of crit um i create it was actually a, a I, I wanted to create i've always wanted to create superheroes within D D because the formats there is just very very hard to to accomplish keep it balanced and make everybody happy with their powers and so i uh my first version was uh, it was a it was a joke campaign that ended in a Royal Rumble in Australia, which was the gate to hell. But um, essentially, Earth has always been a middle ground for all these different gods. And when Christianity took over, your Roman gods, Greek gods, like all these, all the other gods were banished from this realm because they believed in the one in one true. Like you know, Christianity was a prominent religion. And all of their power on this realm is based off of how much how much people how, believe in them, right? And but the thing is, Christianity was slowly getting pulled away because, and and uh, it was like me making fun of society. We're no longer really worshiping gods anymore. We're worshiping people because uh, Hollywood and, and things like that. So I had um, actually John Cena was the god of war. Like Ares had taken over, got like John Cena. That's uh, awesome. <clears throat> Deeper was the devil. So so Hades took over. Like so so the the, <laughs> um, the you know the she Greek gods had kind of come in, or maybe it was the Norse gods. One of them had kind of come in at because now humanity's at a weak point, right? We we don't have an actual deity that we're worshiping. We're worshiping ourselves, which leaves room for them now to come in. And what they do is instead of coming in as gods, they're like, hey, we can just take over these people. I'm a, and yeah, so I'm a Hollywood actor. I'm a they, they, star, yeah. yeah, they come in, you know, <laughs> like Obama at the time, because Obama was arguably one of the more famous presidents, right? And so it's like, so they take over Obama, they take over um, John Cena. And in the first mission, the team, like, they're, they get um, the, the, the Norse gods come in and they're like, hey, um, this isn't how it's supposed to be. Like, we're not allowed to do this. We had made a pact as all the gods, like the Egyptian gods. Everybody had made this pact not to do this, to let humanity kind of do its thing. And we, we're not going to take them over to take over the world. Like, they didn't like they didn't like what was going on. So they make a pact with a few humans. They're like, hey, we're going to bestow our powers on you so you can stop this. But we can't help you because that's against the code, right? Odin's going to kick my ass if I even do this. So, like, you can have my powers. So, essentially, they had to take on the powers of the different gods, but they had to learn how to use them. They weren't strong enough out the gate to use them. So, they had to slowly, like, build up their levels. So, kind of like, that's how I built it into the system. But the first game, I wanted to give them a base, right? Because your first your first D&D game, you always get a base. That's like, you know, your base of operations, where you work out of, where you get your missions from, things like that. So, they, uh, they meet. They, they, they know that um, that Kanye West is being held in this building and Kanye West is, you know, dating uh, what's her name, who Persephone has taken over and she is like, <laughs> yeah. you know, using her, 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 you know, looks and everything to rule this section of the world. So they think that Kanye is actually a bad guy. And so they go in and do they, 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 they use tear gas, they use mustard gas, they, annihilate everyone in this building thinking it's full of bad guys. I'm like, guys, the front door was open because you were supposed to go in and save Kanye and take over the building. And they had, they kill his kid. They mustard gas all these guards that are protecting him. And the front door was open. They're blowing holes in the side of this building and I'm not stopping them. You know, they're picking people off from a distance and stuff. And I'm like, 
they get in and the one guard was like, we were waiting for you. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, wait a minute, what? You set up this whole compound for us to walk in the door. I was like, yeah, this is supposed to be a 10 minute segment that you turned into a three hour battle. (laughs) And I'm like, so you destroyed half your base. Um, You've killed half the guards that I put here to protect you. And now Kanye West, they've taken capture, right? Because Kanye West was supposed to be my uh, my um, uh, Sam Jackson, and he was going to go around and, like recruit people for the team. But now they they're holding him captive, and that that set the tone for the entire thing, which um, ended like I said uh, in a Royal Rumble because for some reason we decided that wrestling now exists in D and D, and they just wrestled their way in uh, in a battle royale where um, Randy Savage came in and saved their asses at the very end. And I cut the campaign there because we had things going on. But that was like where the idea started with Crit, was that campaign. And we had so much fun just doing stupid shit. Um, (laughs) In book five, actually, Mr. Wizard and and team. So this group of characters, as they gained notoriety in the world, they quickly created their personas of Mr. Wizard, um, the Spectre, and, or sorry, the, the was it, the, I forget what his, his, his name was. My, my, my buddy's had a character. I think it was the Spectre. And then, so it's like the news crew is interviewing them and he goes, what's your name? He's like, oh yeah, I'm Mr. Wizard. Oh, and I'm, I'm the Spectre. And, and it gets to my buddy Kid, who actually in our book now is called Bones. Um, they're like, so what's your name? He's like, Alan. Alan what? No, just Alan. And we have just Alan over here. So his superhero <laughs> name became just Alan. And so um, now that that universe though does exist within Crit, it's a TV show. Um, That's awesome. Um, Wizard and Friends, and the it, it just hit its peak when uh, they had to raid. Um, I forget which superstar. I want it was probably John Cena because I think that was the one where they raided his his uh, party and tried to kill him. But um, <laughs> they're raiding everything, and I set everything up perfectly for them to be up at this like big party. They had invites. And they're like, no, we're going to parachute in in white tuxedos and murder everyone. And I'm like, what? And they're like, nope, we're going to do it. So they rolled really well. They parachute down in. Everyone lands except one of them. He he dropped the ball on that. And they just take out their powers and guns and start blasting their way through it. And I said, okay, like I have to do something with this. So when Crit came around, we were going to like try and continue that. And they're like, no, no, we can't continue that that craziness. I was like, well, then it exists now within the universe. It's its own TV show. And so kind of cool that in book five, I'm able to introduce it. And one of the guards is sitting here and he's watching <laughs> an episode of it when Crit comes up to the guard shack and like like screeching wheels. So um, eventually I would love to do like some some books about Mr. Wizard and Friends just because it was like that, that crazy. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah like, I was actually going to have a question like it. Are you going to continue crit forever or are no. you going to do like another no. crit is it was planned to be 36 issues but as i'm drawing it and i'm seeing how the story goes it'll probably be closer to about 40 issues so i can flesh it out a little bit more but it is a limited series um and that's because i i like more um direct storytelling like i like the fact that um uh, invincible ends right yes yeah the reason that I get bored of uh, superhero comics, X-Men, right? I was a huge fan of X-Men in the 90s, late 90s. Well, you know, early 2000s, I was signed to a record label. I was touring the world. I literally, like, you know, Europe, all those other places. And then when I wanted to get back into comic books, I picked up X-Men. 
And all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, where am I? You know, like this isn't the team that I knew in the nineties. Like it's not even close. And then I find out there's like, you know, 10 different number ones again. And I'm like, okay, I'm lost. Right. So like, I just couldn't get back into comics anymore because I didn't know where to start. And that, and then I thought about it when we were creating ours and I was like, well, that, that would suck for a kid. Right. The kid's like, Hey, check out X-Men. Which one? Like which number one, which team? Yeah. Which number one? Yeah. (laughs) We have 50 different teams now. And so I was like, well, and we all decided as much fun as we have with this, when the campaign's done, crit is done but the world of crit still exists so we can write stories within the world and the characters could still be there they can be referenced i I was just i was just thinking of something that would be really cool uh what was the name of the the thing with john cena that you said like what's that world called uh we shouldn't really have a we didn't have a world for it it was just called like the the superpowers was the name of the book that i made for it so the, the thing that would be really cool, I was just oh, thinking I'm of this. Sorry. Mr. Wizard and Friends. Is Mr. Wizard and Friends, that's, yeah. yeah. So it's something I just thought of that would be pretty awesome to have, just because like this would be cool. I, I know like as a kid, if I got a comic book for Crit, I'm reading through that, and then it's the end of the story, there's an ad, right? Like an ad page, just like there's been in comics for whatever. And then after you flip that ad, there's like four pages of a short comic for that knowing that that comic exists in the world of crit like they could read that comic i'm i'm that's one of the things i want to work on is getting that done i just need to figure out how i want to do it um i've got a few friends that have offered to to work on something like that for me and that way it's a different art style completely so when you yeah you're like oh and then we were like oh well that'd be a cool that'd be a cool stretch goal right yeah, to like have that as like an well, like because I think it'd be I, I don't know I, just to me at least I think that'd be so cool to see a um, b- basically having the that world because it already exists as a TV show in there as like this separate comic book, but it's in like it's part of the comic book you get for Crit and like you're flipping through you finish that story and there's like even if it's only a four or five page comic like a really short comic because it's meant to just be this TV show in your world. And that's just something that's added on to the ends of comics as stretch goals. Like, hey, if you want to have this little extra story continue, we want to reach the stretch goal. And only when we reach the stretch goal do we add to the story. That would be such a cool idea, um, having that as, like, part of the world. Yeah, actually, now that we're sitting here, like, and I'm, I'm mulling over my head, I've been talking to Robert Nix a lot about getting him to do something for me. Yeah. I do all my interior work, so it's really hard for me to, to get someone else to take over. So I think we've been tossing back and forth ideas. That'd be actually really cool as a stretch goal to now that I'm introducing it in book five. Like I've been dying to introduce Mr. Wizard and friends into crit just because it exists. And we wanted to like have movie posters and comic books and things. It is like, it's like the Marvel universe in their universe, which is kind of funny because arguably the Marvel universe exists because they're very self-aware. They exist in our world. Like, like they're real people, you know, like Brad and all them, they're real people. It's just, this is us telling that. So yeah, you, you, if you've read the books, you know, there's tons of references, like, you know, aim for the bushes from the other guys and things like we reference possible. Like the millionth time. Yeah. There's even, there's even a captain. They just from, in uh, book three where Caliber's like surprise round mother. And then Cal, uh, Boulder's like language. <laughs> and, <laughs> But it's actually funny because in real life, we were we were 
working this out. And Brad wanted to say, you know, um, surprise round motherfuckers. And Terrell was like, no, we can't. We can't have language like that in the book because my kid wants to read this. And so it just worked. And I was like, we, we can totally have a Captain America ripoff real quick. And it's really funny and it fits. And so like, we're like I said, the book is very self-aware. But I think if I, I I'm going I'm to talk to Robert probably this week now and see what we can work out to introduce this book. Because I've yeah. already written the first four pages in my head while we're sitting here, which is going to be them like picking off dudes on the building in the first round, and then they go in and blow the whole thing up. Well, like, that's, I can, that's the cool like, thing. Like like being so crazy of a story, you can tell it pretty quickly with just a couple of pages, and like just have it be some insane scene that's happening. And then when you get those little moments where like it's on a TV in the background of a uh uh what's it called uh i think you said it was a security guard right it's yep. like like then that could even be like one of the panels you've already drawn digital like making it look like it's on a tv screen but mm -hmm. it's literally in the comic like that would be such a cool like yeah i, I, I love those easter egg stuff like that's the stuff greg and i like whenever we like talk about something we'll start asking more questions about it, and then we're like how can we like make this this little thing over here but like it's like we do it on purpose. Some people won't even know it's there, but if they notice it, they're gonna realize later. Like, oh, that that looks familiar. Where's that from? Yeah. Well, well, thanks to this conversation. As soon as we're done, I am gonna get the ball rolling on that because I've been, you know, because uh, in that game, the only ones that played were Brad and and Ryan Kid, who are in crit. And it's funny because we like Terrell Obi. Yeah, Terrell and Obi come from a different game. We played Mass Effect. We homebrewed a Mass Effect game together. And that's really what started the idea of Crit was we loved playing Mass Effect every week. Like when I was, I lived in Boone, North Carolina, and there wasn't much to do. So we just got pizza every Sunday and played D&D. &D. And <laughs> when I first started playing, I was like, oh, man, this can be, I don't, I don't want to do this. But I had so much fun playing with them. Ten years later, we hadn't really talked that much. Some of us were friends. Some of us weren't. But I called everybody. I said, hey, let's play D&D &D again. And they were like, yeah, of course. Like, that sounds like a good time. And we had so much fun the first time we got together. I said, okay, I got to draw this. And it's just kind of like blossomed from that. But the core of it always comes from different D&D &D things. So I think that if I was able to – I can't use the Mass Effect campaign, sadly, because, you know, copyright. But I can use some of the other stuff we've done where we have, like, the Mr. Wizard and Friends – and I think even in Boone, we had tried a superhero campaign at one point. I was a player there, and I was the biggest pain in the ass. Um, and I, I think I can incorporate some of those things into it. But I've already, like I said, I just wrote the first four pages in my head, and it's it's done. I'm gonna make this happen because, um, you know, Ryan and Brad have this connection to it, to where it gives them an even deeper connection to Crit, knowing that their other campaign is now coming to life within it. And so I think I'm gonna be able to do that. that that's gonna be fun. And it's so crazy and zany that I know that people are just going to like flip to it and go, oh, God, that's that's hilarious. It's even yeah, worse than crit, you know? That's what I mean. Like, it would be such a cool idea because, like, um, what's it called? Uh, like, the Boba Fett example from Star Wars, like, people love this random character, essentially. Like, he really is just a random character. Uh, and they make a bunch of lore around it. Having this little side, small mini series comic at the end of your comic and, like, there's going to be people who literally get the comic and they're like, I'll read crit later. What's going on over here? Like, that's such a cool, like, I, I, that's the stuff that like, you know, I find exciting for like fans. Cause like, I know that if I really loved some universe, that's what I would do. Like I would be diving into all these little things. 
So I think it's, it's going to hit. I'll have to change some of the uh, celebrity names, you know, because of copyright. And not, I can't. You should just like switch the first and last letters do. of their names, like like San Gina. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, like the best one's going to be Obama. I'll have to figure out how to do, uh, you know. Yeah. Perjury. Yeah. Obama. Yeah. Obama. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, I I'll make it a female. I'll just gender swap it and, and switch the name. Oh, yeah, yeah. There we go. You just add like an A at the end of everyone's name, Jana, Cena. Yeah, yep, just like, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And if it's a female, we'll do the exact opposite. We'll, you know, we'll just make it like Chris. Uh, oh, I actually just thought of something. You could even do like the, uh, what's it called? The Marvel way where everyone's got alliteration. So like John Gina, you know, Barack oh, Obama, you, yep. Obama yep. you know, like. <laughs> yeah, um, real quick. Since we're talking about crit, I, I, don't, I haven't really shown a lot of this stuff off because um, I've been, I have 20 lives booked this month and put out crit for and my job. I work in taxes now. So, uh, yeah, you can just imagine what we're going through. But uh, <laughs> I got my collector cards here. Oh, awesome. Yep. And uh, so, you know, they're they're all, all designed. Those look great. That looks awesome. And um, I'm actually announcing today the villain, the villain version of those cards is going to be in. Uh, the Kickstarter for book five, which nice. launches March 2nd. I guess I've got like, what, two two weeks there? Uh, almost two and a half weeks to go until that book launches. And so um, I want to get some momentum behind my villains. I think, you know, one of the one of your strongest points has to be your villains. That's what creates contention for your heroes. So today I will be announcing on my on, uh, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff, the, the Kickstarter for that. And then... Um, you know, I'm doing another, I'm doing two more foil covers. So nice, that looks uh, clean. My printer just nails these freaking foil covers. Um, and uh, I don't know if you've seen the artwork for it, but I, I'll share that real quick if you got a second. Let me pull up my Kickstarter here. Yeah. Where are you guys at? One second, please. <laughs> like what's there, and then it went away. Thank you. There we go. Okay, so I've shared the, that. So I've got the page built. It's all good to go. Um, you know, I've talked a lot about Dungeons and Dragons. If you're a fan of Dungeons and Dragons, you know to check it out. But I want to show off my covers uh, because. Yeah. Those are <clears throat> and so here's all four covers. And the green one's intense. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let me zoom in here. Um, let me see if they'll let me zoom in. Uh, there we go. Where, where am I? Uh, that one right there is probably my favorite. That's oh, my God. Yeah. This That's one's going to be one a one right here. Yeah. It's going to be close to 50 pages, if not a little bit more, when it's all said and done. And then these two are my standard covers. Yeah, that, that, the first one on the left looks awesome. That's, that's probably my second favorite one. The one on the right looks dope. It's obviously like emotional, so it's more tied to the characters. The green one looks intense. Like that looks like that. That, that gives me some. Uh, oh, damn, I'm trying to think of what like world and picture in that from. Oh, Ermac uh, from um, uh, uh, yeah. Mortal Kombat. Yeah, that's what I'm getting. Actually, my favorite, ar arguably one of my favorite fighters in Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, lots of we are Kombat many, you are one. <laughs> Actually, the logo is inspired by Mortal Kombat, the video game, 
the yeah novel. I can see that yeah um but this one actually so it's emotional but it's funny at the same time because he ate some bad tacos and he got really sick oh. <laughs> that's awesome so you yeah. got like the main cover a comedy cover a dark cover and uh then like the uh the it looks like kind of like the Avengers cover like you know everyone together yeah, so so how I pitched this cover to Matt was I wanted cool guys walk walk away from explosions, and so it's like it's like a band, a band shot walking away from the explosion. Nice, yeah. And when he sent no like, way that they actually walk away from an explosion like that. Yeah, well, we're a big fan of um, you know Lonely Island, so I had to <laughs> I had to make a reference. And nice. uh, I still I have all the other books available in this Kickstarter as well. And I'm just waiting on the final cover for the trade paperback. I'm putting issues zero through five in the trade paperback. And I'm also going to put the original issue zero, I think, in the trade paperback for people. I released it with the Indiegogo, um, and I haven't done anything with it since. But I think it'd be something fun to throw into that just as an extra, you know, for picking up the big giant book. Yeah, I was actually going to ask about, um, since you have technically six books, um, mm -hmm. We have multiple different comic series. We have Ink and Scales and Seer Chronicles and all that stuff. Do you think people should um, just release one series at a time, or do you think it doesn't matter? It, I think it depends. So I'm a person where I want to see a completed story. So mm -hmm. at least finish the chapter. Um, I think some indie creators, not all, because I've seen like Nick from Demon Hunter Raven, he has multiple different stories going at the same time that all connect to each other, but he releases very large books. So yeah. if you give somebody a 20 issue comic and then you jump to another 20 issue comic, but you haven't resolved some of the stuff in here, it's going to be really hard to get that reader that's now on your third different storyline to come back to resolve this book. And so I think it's, I think you can do it. You have to do it right. Yeah. And having three different storylines going on at the same time and not enough resolution on any of them creates confusion. That that's my own personal opinion. As a reader, it would just make it hard because then as a, like you're a creator trying to put out three or four stories in a year and you have a full-time job and you have a family and all these other things, you're not a full-time comic book creator, so you can't put out issue one, issue one, issue one and then get your second or third issue out in the same year, right? Unless you have a team that maybe you're able to do that. If you can do it and you have the creative team that empower to do that, by all means, put out three titles in a year and, and, and have them balanced. But I think it's really hard when, like for me, I draw all my books. I letter all my books. I can't have, and that's one of the reasons why I'm moving, I wanted to move Mr. Wizard into like a secondary story, is I couldn't have, two books going on at once or else one's going to suffer. Right. And so I, I think people need to stick with what they're good at. And if you're good, like Nick is great. Nick can put out demon hunter Raven. He can put out sun child and then he can put out, he's got radiant rapture launching, I think in two weeks, a uh, week after mine. Um, but they're, they're like 50 page books that you get with his stuff. So he's telling a consolidated story there. You're getting enough that says, cool, I'm satisfied here. Now I'll go read your other 50-page story. Knowing they're all tied together, I think that's safe. Yeah. I put out 20 to 30 pages at a time. My my chapters are about 200 pages long. 
So, <laughs> you know, I need two years really at this point with my productivity level to be able to tell a full story. So you'll see, I have a second. So, so crit has two side stories. Um, and I'll actually tell you here, the guy up here, um, this guy gets his own book. It's going to be one book, probably about 50 pages. And so he gets his own book. And then if you've read the books, the character Richter, he gets his own, him and his team get their own side story. Uh, the, uh, Vanguard, they have a six issue that I'm going to run, but that's being told the same way with D and D. Um, actually I have two more sessions of crit and D and D, and then we're taking a break for a few months and working on Vanguard where they get to create their characters in Vanguard and we get to tell that story. And what I'm going to do there is I'm going to build the world of crit because you see some of the stuff in crit, you don't see it all. And so Vanguard takes care of some of the stuff that crit isn't going to take care of. And I'm working on some of those villains. I actually sent Brad a text message today. I found a figurine, just a random like custom and it's a brain inside of a head with it's like a robot body and it has like a, a brain and i said so we can make a mind flare which is what like a very dangerous villain in dnd i'm like i can make a mind flare controlling okay. a robot body and now all of a sudden we have this really cool villain for the book and he was like i mean we could make that work but mind flares are really powerful they're mind controlling like demons <laughs> like, it'd be fun um can you guys give me one second? My kid is making some noise. I think my wife's gone. Just let me make sure she's okay. Give me one yeah, second. yep. <laughs> Be right back. I'm just doing something so it's easy to refine it. But anyways, so yeah, what we were talking about, um, we were talking about the covers, uh, and then you said you were talking about the solo series branch-offs of this guy, and who was the other guy? So Richter, I don't think he actually shows up in any of this stuff. Um, Richter is in books uh well he's in like every book except for this one he's actually this guy he's knocked out right now um so this <laughs> nice. guy right here who uh who is the head head of technetic security he uh eventually gets his own book called uh vanguard um very cool yeah well vanguard gets the book right now he's in vanguard if he lives it's dnd he might die at that at some point but um yeah i think actually in the story we're close to we're close to a point now. Like I said, uh, I've written Dang. the next two game sessions and they've already put a bunch of stuff into place. So I was like, we're going to be at a really good stopping point to where we can play the Vanguard campaign because we've been playing crit for going on three years, almost four. And so, you know, that's, that's in D&D terms, that's a long time to be playing one campaign. That, that, that guy, if you scroll up a little bit with the purple hands... Yeah, I love that. Like we have a character who, uh, like, when he uses his powers, like the, uh, the there'll be a glow around it, and like that look, like looks really cool. It, ours isn't like with the hands and stuff. It's with like uh, it's our ink character, you know. The, the, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I just love that look though, because like I'm like I'm picturing that now. Like that's the kind of idea of what we have for that. And I wanted to really reiterate. You you said that you um, draw and letter these. Do you color these? Do you do like everything beginning to end? I don't color these. I am not that talented to color. I wanted to learn how to color and I realized that I could do one of two things. I could learn how to color and be okay at coloring and be okay at my line work, or I could just continue to get better with my line work. Cause this yeah. is like book one. And I will say the end of book one looks so much better than the beginning of book one. Um, because I, I 
literally learned how to draw by doing all this stuff. And so I taught myself everything in here. My wife really helped out a lot. But um, like, you know, book two, I learned quite a bit about shadows and everything else. But, um, you know, this is book three here. And I tried to incorporate more backgrounds and elements into book three than previous uh, to give it like a, a feeling that you're inside the same area they're in. Um, and there's my my favorite character is Samedi the talking cat because he's just a jerk. But in book four, he was drunk the whole time, so he didn't show up. It was <laughs> book four, you get to see Crit unmasked for the first time throughout the good half of the book because they're, they work for Technetic. So they're kind of undercover, un, like looking for something as technetic agents when, and they're going to, they, they quickly shift into uh, their suits when they realize they're facing something that calls for, um, you know, secret identities and not to implicate their employer. But this <laughs> is my favorite page because they're talking about like, so in the game, they wanted uh, theme music to ride into battle. And Brad had pulled out his phone, put theme music on. And so when we were putting the book together, he you know, he says he's like, I want I want to put on my Kenny Loggins mixtape. And they start arguing over which is the best Kenny Loggins song. And so we we were actually arguing when we were lettering the book as to which song to reference in the book. And we couldn't figure it out. So I put insert song. And so uh it, as we were reading through, we got to the reading stage and I was like, insert song. And so now it, it just made us laugh. We were dying laughing. So it's like, um, oh, man. Insert song is my jam. <laughs> yeah. And they get this big argument about, you know, and then the, Austin is the youngest guy in the group. And he was like, I don't even know who that is. Like, I don't even know who Kenny Loggins is. And so, um, you know, it was just an ongoing joke. But then when we got to the book, they actually were talking about different songs. They were arguing over which was the best song. And I said, you know, I'm dying laughing at this insert song, so we're going to just keep it as insert song. Yeah, I, th I think you might have mentioned that uh, on the last time we had you, and I think you also were discussing, like, you realize putting the lyrics in there might also be an issue, and so, like, leaving it that way makes it funny, and you avoid any potential copyright claims. Yeah, that actually <laughs> is an issue, because I learned that uh, we were doing Chronicles of Horror 2, and there was lyrics from a Stone Temple pilot song, Mm -hmm. that Matt wanted in there. He's like, well, it's part of the story. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to get sued. And he's like, yeah. So? And I'm like, so? <laughs> Fair use act that as long as you only use like a little bit. Yeah, like you, if it's when it comes to like music, it's like more than like three or four notes for a melody. But when it comes to lyrics, yeah, I think like as long as you don't, uh, you know, spell out a bunch of stuff in there because essentially the whole argument is whether or not you're um, earning money in place of the money they're earning kind of thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, if it's like, if it's like a couple of words, I think it's fine. Yeah. But if you put like a whole sentence there, like a whole, like a verse. Yeah. That would be bad. <laughs> yeah. We just have like uh, music notes when the radio is playing. Cause I was unsure and we were yeah. like ready to print it. So we had that. Um, what is it? Is it, I, I forget who sings it. Like there goes my hero. Um, Foo fighters. Yeah, so yeah. so in the end of book three, we actually have "There Goes My Hero," but it's like "There Goes My Heroes" because there's two <laughs> people on the on the page. Yeah, put the music music behind it because music is a big thing in Crit because Brad's always having some kind of theme song playing. And at the end of book three, uh, I'm gonna, I, I gotta find it because it's like arguably in book three again the music scene is like my favorite page because book three is told from the perspective of um, 
they're they're giving the a record of events to Richter so he knows what happened. And so at the very end of the book, you know, I don't know if you can read it, but so Richter's just completely unamused because at the you know the 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 page they jump out of, you know, they're talking about it and they jump out of the building and there's music playing. And then we cut to them talking to Richter and he's like, I think we can do without the soundtrack. And Caliber's like, uh, don't take this little piece of joy away from me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of like how the game goes anyway. It, it's it's me trying to rally them in together, like to tell this cohesive story of what they're doing. And they just want to do whatever it is they want to do. Um, it, it makes it so much more fun for me as a, as a creator. I have a completely different writing style than most other creators because the story happens organically. Um, and I think that's attractive to like new people that want to check it out. You're, you're not, you're not just, you know, playing in my brain. You're literally watching the craziness of our campaign unfold. Um, yeah, it's kind of cool. It's kind of like you figured out how to make a real life version of something that's, you know, magical in the sense that like, you know, it's not like, it's not real, but it's playing out like it would if it was real. Exactly. It's kind of like uh, what we were chatting about with uh, the Peacemaker show. It's just like the idea that, um, you know, you're like, uh, my, my brother said this when we were watching it. There's like a moment where like somebody says something like John, John Cena says something and somebody reacts exactly how you would have reacted if you were in that situation. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's, that's exactly why it's so great. So like having, having a, a, you know, comic that plays that same tune where it's like, you know, oh, wow, yeah, that's what I would have said, too, even though I don't have superpowers in this scenario. So it, it is very cool to, um, you know, have that. I And when I pitched this, so I had to pitch the game, right? They didn't come to me and say, hey, let's do this. I had to pitch this idea to the team. And my pitch was simple. Um, I said, I'm not going to make this complicated because none of us, like, we haven't played in a long time, so I don't know the role-playing chops of everybody. I'm going to make it real simple for you. You wake up tomorrow with superpowers. So it's you, but with superpowers, what do you do? Right. And so they, it's really easy to role play for them because they know what they would and wouldn't do. Right. And they yeah. Things, um, it, sometimes we have to argue because sometimes they get into the character a little bit too much. And like Terrell is really guilty of this. Like Boulder would do this. It's like, but Terrell, would you? Like you really wouldn't do that, would you? No, no, I wouldn't. And but but they're so in, especially early on the season and the series, they're very into what they're doing, and they're very like I I wouldn't do that, you know, I wouldn't say that. Um, and for me, as a as the the writer and everything, it makes it so much easier for me to write because I can just call them and say, hey, would you say something like this? Oh, you would say it that way. Cool. Now I can fix it. Yeah, it's like you have editors based on the fact that the characters themselves are actually alive. Like, you know, they, right. can, they, they can be like, nah, that's not how that would play out. Exactly. And, and, and actually, what's even more funny is um, Kid, who is, is Bones. Bones is the giant character who comes in in book four. And, it, you know, he's supposed to be an enemy, but they really qu- they quickly realize that he is just a, a victim of circumstance similar to them. And and. He doesn't talk because Kid doesn't really like role play that well with the group because he's kind of an outsider as far as the friends go. He knew me. He knew Brad from a previous campaign, but he doesn't really know the rest of the group. And so when we're in, when we're playing, he sends gifs and memes as a response to a lot of things. Like there's something going on and he'll send a gif or a meme. And so I was like, you know, in the game or in the book, 
that's going to happen. You're, they're all going to be talking, and then all of a sudden their phones are going to buzz, and one of them is going to look at it, and there's going to be a meme, right? That's and, awesome. And I was like, so that's how your character is arguably going to communicate most of the time is thought bubbles. Like, we'll, we'll be able to see his thoughts, but the team will never really know what's going on until he sends a, a meme. And uh, if you watch the old, like, Peanuts cartoon, all the adults are cut off at the head because they're tall, right? Yeah, well, well, both are so big, there's going to be a lot of scenes where he's cut off at the head. And <laughs> just, just because I'm like, for one, it's a complicated-ass helmet. I'm tired of dry, drawing it. But for two, it's funny, right? Like, yeah. I can cut you off at the head, and I don't have to worry about, like, like, like drawing this seven-foot-tall giant all the time. Um, if, actually, in book five, I... I did a perspective shot of him versus Boulder just to show everybody like how big this guy is in comparison. Um, so I'll show a, I'll show that because none of this has really been seen yet. I've kept most of it close to my chest. Um, I haven't even showed half my team, but nice. uh, yo, Greg, make make him full screen real quick. So yeah, this is Bones versus Boulder size comparison. So you can kind of see. <laughs> He's a big dude. Yeah. Um, he actually, here, here's another one. So he's looking down at Caliber. Mind you, Caliber is almost six foot tall. All right. So that's a big dude. Um, and in real life, Kid is nowhere near seven foot tall. Kid is a little bit taller than me. I think he's almost, he's about, he's about five, five, ten. Um, and so what happened is when he was exposed to this uh, this ethereal energy from from that realm, he uh, it, it changed him differently. Like like it affects everyone differently, and that's something that we're trying to get into now is to show how the effects of having this energy in our world can negatively impact people. So Bones goes from this guy, and the reason his name's Bones is because Kid in real life has the same bone syndrome that um, Sam Jackson had in Broken or uh, Unbreakable, okay? He has brittle bone syndrome. So when I asked Kid, if you were going to be a superpower, like what's your background? He goes, well, I would have, you know, I want to pick this kind of character. And how it affected me was it made my bones stronger, but in the process of making my bones stronger, it makes me grow. And so he's like big because the, the <clears throat> energy... Um, affected him that way so he's physically changed but he also has the ability to call upon this like magical sword and shield and a hammer and like a spear like he can change the way he, he channels the energy and so you know he gains all this stuff but at the same time he can never be who he was because now all of a sudden he's just a different person and we get to kind of like experience that like how do you handle waking up in a new body one day like the captain america thing yeah, like, that's America, but yeah, <laughs> way <yeah>. taller. <laughs> and see, Boulder, it happens similarly. S similar to Boulder. Boulder is like dense. He's strong. Like he's super strong. Arguably, Boulder is stronger than Bones. Like like even in game, I think Boulder gets up to like a score of 24 strength and Bones can only cap out of 20 uh, just because of the way the characters are built. So Boulder might be smaller, but he's stronger bones on the other hand also he has a higher d defense like he's more dense and he has a higher hit point rate so he can last longer in battle because he's made to take damage so they're a just tank. like yeah <laughs> right boulder is like the scrappy guy who's really strong and fast and can you know do some damage real quick but he also takes a lot of damage um bones is the opposite he's the he's the tank character and 
the there's a constant struggle between the two of them because Boulder suffers from like little man syndrome where he's like, like even in book four when he first sees him, he's like, oh man, I thought you'd be bigger, right? And, <laughs> and not realizing it's like, dude, you're like five foot five. This is a seven foot tall man. You're gonna say you wish he was bigger, and because he wants to fight the biggest and the baddest all the time. And uh, so we like kind of see that little man syndrome come through, which I love. Terrell, he's my best friend. We're the same height, so I'm I'm a short guy too. I struggle, um, <laughs> but. In, in Boulder's case, because people ask, like, you know, how, how does it affect Boulder? Boulder's physically stronger. Like, he's a strong, he, he's strong, he's quick, and he can survive, like, f- jumping out of a building. Kind of like Captain America, we see him jump out of the helicopter, right? Um, that's why at the end of book three, Caliber's holding on to Boulder, because Boulder can make that jump. Caliber, he jumps out of a, a fourth-story window. You know, he's, he's not, he's going to be lucky if he survives that. You know, he's probably going to die most likely because I think after 10 feet, you know, that's that impact alone can kill you. And um, Boulder is able to, you know, survive those kind of falls. But Bones, on the other hand, you know, like he just he just jumps down. He's, you know, he's like, I can take all the damage all day. Whereas Boulder will if you if you shoot him enough times, he'll go down. Um, and then we have what was what it? Uh, everybody has like their own like, like different ways that it affects them. But we get to see um, later on in the book too that how I introduce normal like D and D monsters is that just like it affected Bones and Boulder in this way and gave Spectre the ability to channel fire. Well, the negative for Spectre is when he doesn't have his mask on, he's actually like spewing fire if he has it activated. So he's, he's kind of like Johnny Storm when you're when his powers are on. But it comes from inside, so it, like it comes out of him, and so he wears the mask because they're like, "Man, like you're scary as shit. You need a mask. Like we can't have that, that flame face." And in issue zero, he doesn't have it, and he's got like flames all over his face, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, we need to cover that up." Um, nice. <laughs> and so that's why he wears the mask, and uh, you get to see later on like actual monsters, and it creates this struggle for them. Like these were once human. Right. And especially Bones. Bones was like, I was experimented on. You know, Crit got their powers one way, but Bones was physically experimented on by um well, if you read book three, the man in the in the robot, there's the the robot face guy. He's uh, a background player, but also uh this guy right here, the green guy, he can channel his energy into other people. He is the first of his kind to ever come to our realm. And he can bestow beings with his power. And so he creates Bones with the other guy to fight Crit. That's the whole purpose of Bones, not realizing, like, you can't just give a guy powers and then tell him, hey, you're going to go do this, and he expect him to do it. So, you know, Bones is like, they come across these humans that are all, like, mutated and monster-looking, and they're like, well, what do we do with them? I mean, do we kill them? Well, they were once human. And there's there's actual struggle. They argued in game about what to do. One because a few of them were like, nah, man, like, like I wouldn't want to live like that. Let's put them out of their misery. And then somebody else is like, well, maybe we can help them. And it creates like this moral dilemma of like, and then Bones is sitting there like, well, that's that's me. Just they turned into that, and I turned into this. Like, I don't want to kill them. And so, you know, book five, I start to show you like, like, it's not all glory having you know the ability to, to have powers because sometimes it's like a negative thing and like like even this guy 
his powers are he absorbs kinetic energy. But the problem with absorbing kinetic energy, if his body doesn't exert it, it uses it like fuel. And therefore, you know, if you don't use calories, which is energy, you turn fat. So this guy right here is also uh, this guy right here. So as you can see, you know, he's all like, you know, a normal like looking dude here. But in book one, Caliber throws a bunch of grenades at him. So he absorbs <laughs> all that kinetic energy from the grenades and turns into this, the big fat sumo samurai. Based off of a real life friend of ours, not really friend, uh, a guy that I knew who um, told me that he was a samurai sumo. Uh, he was actually trained in both samurai ninja warrior. Jujutsu. Ju 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 yeah, but he was like 300 pounds and he couldn't even tie his own shoes. But he was a sumo samurai warrior and he told me that he could kill me at any point in time and i'm like dude you you lose your breath walking two feet so that's who this guy is based off of um, and he constantly and he's actually wearing a sumo diaper like that yes with shorts because he's very uh, you know he's worried about his thighs you know? he's subconscious <laughs> uh, he's self-conscious um so we you know book book five is all about those villains and everything um I wanted to talk about the the tiers real quick. <clears throat> so day one, I'm doing two different early birds, one with um, the the heroes cover and then the main cover and a t-shirt. You get a sticker pack, the poster pack, and then um, you, I always do the digitals because if you're gonna back the book, digital costs me nothing to send you at that point. And then the uh, early bird collector gets you all four covers, the t-shirt, and everything else as well. So uh, these two right here, the hero and the villain, are both foil, and they're also deluxe. So those are going to have um, – I'm putting in the hero's version, some of the hero concept art, fan art, things like that. The villain's book is going to have the villain concept art and the vil villain fan art that I, get, I have collected. So you'll get, like, two different versions of the deluxe edition. If you want to just back it to, to read it online, digital edition, five bucks – and then I have all the other ones. So is that crit zero through five you get for that? <clears throat> uh, no, yeah, this is the digital catcher. I actually need to change that pricing. Thank you. That's supposed to be six. I need to go in there and fix that. <laughs> yeah, I just um, say, yeah, I was like. <laughs> so for six bucks, you'll get the all of them. I, again, it's just a digital digital versions of the books. And then for three bucks, you get the main one. For six three bucks extra, you can catch up on all of them, and you'll get the poster set as well. I just didn't catch that when I was putting all this together at one o'clock in the morning. So yeah, <laughs> I'd, I'd have a problem. Greg's like, I feel you on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, on my last campaign, I didn't fix international shipping and I charged like five bucks for international shipping. Yeah. Last year. Mm -hmm. Myself royally on that. Yeah. I'm not yep. looking forward to uh, shipping the rest of our stuff. Yeah. I was so mad because I had three internationals on that one tier. And they were like anywhere from thirty bucks yeah. to sixty. Like bucks. I'm mad that I have fans in other countries, but happy at the same time. Right. It's like that moment. It's like I was more mad at myself for like not catching that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the strong, strong hero and necromancer edition. Those that's pretty dope. Yeah, this is the foil cover. So those are ten. Um, where's my? That's weird. So it didn't put the other graphics in. There's supposed to be one in between there. The uh, standard edition's eight bucks, and that's there's so there's two different standard editions, and then you've got your. So I'm I'm finally doing the D and D version that I've wanted to do this entire time. I have custom D six die um, being made right now, 
and we're going to nice. release levels one through five on the characters. So you can create your own version of Boulder, Bones, um, Caliber, all of them. You can create your own version of them. And it they're literally, we put 500 hours just into the game creation. So it's balanced to work in a, in a fifth edition game. So if you play D&D and you just want to have a, a fun campaign in a more modern setting, you can do it with these heroes. And then mm-hmm. I've got the Righteous Hero, which is the um, standard. This is pretty much what the early collector's pack is, um, or the early the earlier bird special. But this is for everybody that comes in afterward. So you get the T-shirt, you get the foil cover, you get the standard cover, and then you get the poster pack. Um, that's why this whole thing's messed up because I put this one. There's another one. <laughs> yeah, so so I need to remove this one and put the other one in because I was like, I knew I put them all in. I guess I just put them in wrong. Again, I did this like at one o'clock in the morning. So, and it's not live yet. I still have two weeks to edit yeah. it, so we're good. <laughs> yeah, it's good to catch it now. It's good. Right. So we're doing an editing session on my campaign. Thanks everybody for your time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I always do like the the big collectors editions. So. You can get the collector, which is going to have. I put a placeholder here for the the graphic on the um, the trade paperback. It's almost done now. It's actually the guy who did the standard cover. He's he's doing that for me. And on the front is going to be crit in their normal attire. It's a mirror. So you're looking in a mirror and you see them in like suits and ties, getting ready for work. And then on the back is them actually looking in that mirror. In their crit uniforms and counter awesome. just yeah. all over the, the the mirror table and everything, and there's some graffiti like on the back back of that. Um, so that that'll be the so you'll have the front and back of the trade paperback, and then I have the binding that I've got to make. And you'll so you get that you'll get all four covers. You'll get the let's t-shirt. Get critical. critical. I said, let's get critical. Yep. <laughs> and then my the the big. Big shebang. Um, everything that's in the campaign, you get the create D6. You'll also get, um, I'm having a, just like the last campaign, I had a figure made for Boulder. I'm having a figure made for Caliber on this one. And if uh, you have the collector cards, they're making the, uh, the figure based off of that image right there. Caliber against a, a bullet-ridden wall down the ground. It's a long day at work for him. And uh, I'm also doing a collector's card just for Caliber on that one, just like I did for the first one. So it's a limited edition numbered card that goes along with the campaign. So this one, there's only, I believe, 10 available on this. The the thing, the first time I'm doing this, and I was coerced into it by a few people, is to get drawn into the book. So when I do book six, you'll get drawn into book six as an NPC. Um Book six is called tentatively until we we might change it. We've argued about changing it, but I, I really want to call it Rock'em Sock'em uh, because it's they're fighting robots and what's better than Rock'em Sock'em robots, right? And uh, you in the beginning of the book, they they uh, so just like in normal D and D, you find uh, your characters find their their way in life, and they create their own coffee shop to create revenue so they can be heroes. Don't ask me how they can balance a coffee shop and being heroes at the same time, but it's how they get a, they, they conned me into being able to get a coffee truck so they can go around the city doing, they, they set up to do coffee, but, you know, so they're making money while they go. So it's, so it's a food truck that sells coffee and yes. like, but, but it's also the, the getaway van. Like, they, yeah. yep. 
That's awesome. Behind homebrewed heroes. Exactly. It's kind of uh. The, so in the in the game they call it Black Cat Coffee because Spectre uh, Austin just wanted to call it something. I'm I'm gonna persuade him into calling the company Homebrewed Heroes. Um, and by persuade, I'm just gonna name it Homebrewed Heroes, and he's gonna deal with it later. Uh, <laughs> but um, so so in the beginning of book six, Brad really doesn't want to work in this coffee truck, and so they're making lattes for everybody, and he just keeps calling number seven. And he just keeps calling this number seven for everybody. And they're like, wait a minute. Everybody's not number seven. He's like, yeah, I don't want to do this shit. You're number seven now. <laughs> so you're either going to be one of the random number sevens or you will be somebody that gets saved by Boulder in there. I have enough you know, NPCs in the book to put some people in there. So you get drawn into the book. That's the first time I'm, do I'm doing it. I've seen it before, and I had a few people tell me I should do it, so I'm going to uh, add that to the campaign. Uh, cool thing that I'm actually excited about is more of the custom D6 that I've got coming. Every side has a different crit uh, character on it. So That's cool. Yeah, those are the two big, you know, the big ones right there. And then, uh, yeah, so I'm going to put anybody that missed last campaign, I've had a lot of people actually call uh, contact me afterward for cards <clears throat> so you can get the hero cards um you know if you want to do add-ons this is all my add-on section so you can really customize any tier you're not stuck with a tier just because you want that item in there um and i'm going to throw this back in here this time so this what somebody has own tier last time i still have a few of those left over so i'm adding that back into the campaign so and i've had pe a couple people actually got their their packages from me for uh book four and they're like hey can i just get another Semeti? why well my kid stole the other one uh, as soon as i un unwrapped that dang thing it was gone so i've, I've shipped out four more Semetis just since my other campaign ended that's awesome and then i've got my crew here so i love this guy right here makes the interior just look great he makes my my work look, look like it's actually good <laughs> Yeah, colorists and, are phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, he, he does such a good job. And, you know, he came in on book two. And at that point, I was doing flats. And he would just do all the details over top of my flats because I just, I didn't have the, I didn't have a lot of money. And we got into book three. And he's like, can I just do everything? Because I don't even know how to flat, right? He, he's like, can I just do everything? He's like, and so we worked together on it. I got, you know, on pricing and stuff and with Kickstarter. And so... If you notice from book two to book three, his colors get even better. And that's because I gave him, I just said, yeah, just do it all. You know, you can do it all. I'll, I'll just let you have it. And um, so these Terrell and Brad, they are my editors. They they kind of reel me in and fix everything. And then, then at the very end, we give it to the entire team to kind of go over their characters and tell me, yeah, he would say that or no. Um, and if you back to book four, you got the audiobook and, um, what happened when we did the audiobook, which is why I'm not doing it again, for one, it's really hard to get six people in a room for a few hours. And then I have to edit it. That audiobook was about uh, four days worth of work just editing. And I actually gave it to Terrell to edit because I just didn't have the time. And so he had to like cut it all and put it all in there. And so I listened to the audiobook and Austin changed all of his dialogue. All of it. So <laughs> they I didn't match the, the book to match the audiobook. So I was like, yeah, we're not doing that again because I created so much additional work that 
you know, really in we I think like 16, 17 people got them. So I appreciate everyone that took them. I think what we're gonna do this time is we're gonna do a live read. So I'm gonna get everybody into uh like a YouTube like this, and we're gonna do a live read of crit and give it give that back to everyone. So you kind of get the audiobook in a YouTube form and you can download it and do it do it with it as you wish. Do you have that planned out for during the actual uh during the campaign, like to do that live towards the end of the campaign, I should have everything done. And yeah. So when we do that final read through and yeah, as long as time permits, because uh, my, my job does, I'm almost done with the book and we're actually at the point where we're almost going to start lettering it while it's being colored. But I do plan for fires happening. And just in case it doesn't happen during the campaign, it'll be shortly after. And we'll just throw it up there for everybody and I'll send the link to all the backers so that way they can they can check it out. I think the the fun part of the book is the 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 personalities of all the characters, and so being able to showcase those personalities in every book is going to be fun. Um, and then I also assign random roles to people. So like in the last book, we have uh, Blue Claw, and Bones didn't have a lot of dialogue in that book, so Kid was like, "Well, what do you want me to do?" I'm like, "Well, you get to play Blue Claw." He's like, well, "What line does he have?" I'm like, "He just says Blue Claw." <laughs> So he just randomly started saying blue claw whenever his character was on page. And like I had to I had to fix the the um the lettering because we were talking about him. He's like blue claw? Every time we mentioned it, he would just echo, like, are you talking about me? And it was just hilarious. So I was like, okay, we need to keep that in there. Um and yes, blue claw and Jose do make an appearance um in here, and we do get to kill Baskins in the book as well. That damn asshole Daryl Baskins is in the book. And for those of you that get the reference, yeah, yeah, um, Jose is a direct ripoff of of him of of the uh, Tiger King, and so uh, that was Nate from Slate Comics actually designed him as a joke. It was I used to do these uh, battle things on my Instagram where you could create your own character, and we would you know battle it out, and then if your character won, they get in my book, and he created Jose. And I, I, I called him and I said, hey, um, actually in book, yeah, in book three, he created the, uh, the dog, the dog that was in there, the teleporting dog, which is now officially canon and exists. And then in book four, he created Jose because he won that campaign too. But I, I messaged him. I was like, hey, um, we all really like this Jose character. Can I keep him in the book? And he was like, <laughs> so he does he doesn't go off for a little bit, but he shows back up later on in the story. Um and he stays because you know we took care of that asshole Daryl Baskins for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So uh, I have to do some editing on this, but here we are. And I think we have like forty-one people following this. I don't even yeah, know. I think I saw that. Yeah. Let me see. Okay. I haven't checked it. Yeah, forty-two. We're up to forty-two people. Sweet. So and we have two and a half weeks to get the pre-launch done. Um, I've got some. I've got shows booked like four or five a week to try and get the word out. So stoked for this one. This is going to be the, the biggest venture we've got. Um, I'm, already, I'm already 19 pages finished with the story. I've got another 10 or 12 on my side. And then if you got issue zero, um, Nate from Slate Comics is doing the prologue, which is about 10 to 12 pages. And in the prologue, the prologue really was uh, going to be book six by itself. And I started listening to the campaign and I'm like, it's a bunch of dialogue. 
it's just all arguing and dialogue. There was actually at the very end, I threw in a random fight just so they could have a fight in the game. And I, I, I asked everybody, I said, Hey, how about we just make the end of book five? We just do like a giant sized issue and, and just flesh this out in about 10 pages instead of having people back a Kickstarter for 18 pages of dialogue. <laughs> we, we agree. Like, yeah, it makes more sense, you know, keep the story interesting. And we, in, it's like a montage kind of ending. So you get to see it's really led by Boulder, but um, you know, we have to really flesh out the end of their chapter and where they're going to be going. And, and then when I get, do book six, you get to really see them take off in their coffee truck, the caffeinator and um, fight some dang robots. So in that, that yeah, truck, yeah. by the way, this uh, caliber, it, we play once a month. And I had forgotten some of the things they had. I think we had like two months off in the campaign. We get back, and he tried to tell me that he had attached a fire hose on top of the, the coffee truck, kind of like Ninja Turtles. And he wanted to use it as like a fire hose to uh, douse his enemies in hot coffee. And I almost <laughs> let it happen. I was like, did we really do that? And they really got me going that I had allowed it. And I pulled up the recording. I'm like, you guys lied to me. That did not happen. So I... <laughs> And I, so we will not have the uh, the coffee truck with the fire hose on it because I just really don't want to draw that. <laughs> Man, I, I was just thinking that something that would be cool is in the future, that would be like a really cool little Easter egg kind of, uh, like if you can get like a little figurine or like a little uh, matchbox style car of that. Oh, good. That'd be awesome. Oh, my God. Yeah, like honestly, if you, um, if you get someone with a 3D printer uh, to like – build that out like just put it on top of a metal frame like that would actually be pretty cool <laughs> i mean we could but then he's gonna argue with me that it has to be in the book and i, I really don't know don't i think, I think the reason it's cool is because it's not in the book but it's this little easter egg so only like real fans are gonna want it and like that's why it's kind of cool I'll, I'll mention it if he tries to make me put that in the book, I'm going to say no. But I do like the idea of actually putting that into the uh, one of the Kickstarters as like the little figurine. Because I yeah. really want to do those. They're really not that expensive in the long run of things. I uh, We have in my town, um, I can pay 80 bucks a month to uh, a service here where I can go and print anything I want. And they have high quality 3D printers. So um, there's a few designers online I submitted my work to. And they charge me a design fee for the 3D file. They send me the 3D file. I just bring it to that printer. I, they get me set up, and it's good to go. So that's awesome. It's been. Um, it was interesting, actually. The the first campaign, you know, I I found a printer for the figures. This is the Boulder figure, and you can't. Nice. And this is not what the backers got because what they were supposed to send me was was this, okay. And they sent me when I got my my figures is this and this is a white powder, and it literally like like it's cheap too. That I just broke that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's, they were so cheap and like I have white film on my hands from them, and I I emailed them and I'm like, um, this is not what I paid for, and they we went back and forth and he tried to like you know it became an argument and he was clearly emotional about it. And so I said, just keep my 300 bucks, whatever. I'm, I can't use these. I can't send these to backers because... It's just hardened sugar on a pallet. Right. And they, they just felt cheap. <laughs> I said, if I'm going to if I'm gonna, you know, send stuff to people, I want it to be quality of stuff. And so I wound up paying for two sets of prints on those things. 
Um, See, the interesting, like, those are the things that you could give away as, like, freebies to, like, fans and stuff. Yeah. I, I don't know how they got the packaging done for those. Um, yeah, that sounds awesome. I'm worrying about, I'm wondering about, not worrying about. I could just ask, be like, hey, JD. <laughs> yeah. But like, I just want to know how you got this plastic thing done because. Yeah, because it's perfect. It's awesome. Yeah. What I did with mine was um, I actually created my own packaging. It's kind of like the old, like old school dollar store um, toys that you would buy. I created the the topper, and you have a back in there. And so, uh, actually, I think I might. Uh, nope, they're all downstairs. Um, so it, it was like an old bag toy, because um, you know the yeah, one where it's like a plastic bag and then like the cardboard stapled yeah. on it, essentially. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, so like your old, you know, your old like uh, military figurines would come and stuff like that. Yeah, and that's how I did mine because. I looked at that and that was really good, but I couldn't find anyone that would do it. And JD never told me where they made those. So I was like, well, I'll just make my own. I got some baggies and I got the topper. I was like, oh, this actually looks really cool. I really liked it. Uh, because as a kid, you know, I used to go to the dollar store all the time. And I used to, I just love like ripping that topper off. And um, so I just custom made the topper, went down to the printer and had them do like a really thick cardboard print. Yeah, I was gonna say honestly, that's probably like a cheaper and still really cool way to do it. Like, because it's a lot less cardboard, the ceiling of the plastic on the cardboard, mm -hmm. where you just you can just staple. So you, you still get a really cool effect without a cost. I'm sure that that probably what they did probably cost a lot more. Yeah, I, I don't want to know how much they put into it because the figurines alone were like five hundred dollars for me to get six of them made. So I really didn't have a Dang. budget for any more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, this is awesome. Uh, definitely uh, glad we were able to go through all of this. Um, yeah, it's been a good like two and a half hours talking with you guys. <laughs> yeah, now, now that it's uh, yeah, coming to a close, yeah, we, we, we want to mention uh, half this episode is going to be you know behind our Nova Nation paywall. Definitely check that out on our website. But in the meantime, Chris, where can they find you and where do you want them to go? So the easiest place to find us is homebrewedcomics.com. I have all the links for everything on the page. If you're on Instagram, it's at homebrewedcomics. Facebook, it's at homebrewedcomics, but with an X instead of a CS. Twitter's the same way. So those are like the three platforms I use. I have a TikTok that I post on every once in a while, but I'm not like on there a lot. Um, your best, your best bet is Instagram. I'm on there like every day. So check it out i'm doing i'm actually gonna get off here eat some food then do the announcement for the villains contest and um you'll see me probably on every show possible for the next month trying to get the word out about crit so awesome well, it was great having you yeah and uh what, what episode is this <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'll see you guys what like um march you said march 6th 6th yeah. cool yeah. just let me know when for, for episode 100 come there check it out glad to be part of it <laughs>